All right, you guys, got another episode here. Um, got Jason Johnson here, um, founder, uh, film director, producer, Strike Five Films. Um, yeah, uh, Jason, thank you for coming on. Uh, kind of give a little history about yourself, um, background of you know how you got into this industry. Um, yeah, and kind of just you know the floor is yours. Okay. Yeah. Well. Well. Thanks uh, for having me. First of all. Um, uh, so yeah, so uh, my name is Jason Johnson. I'm originally from the Chicagoland area. Um, I grew up in a family that um, really was not very creative. Uh, so I, I really don't know where I got my creativity from. But mm. um, as a child, I, I really enjoyed watching a lot of TV, um, like, uh, you know, movies, 90 movies, uh, you know, just regular, just forms of just... Uh, visual media I, I really just really fell in love with that so um as i you know graduated high school and and kind of went to college i didn't really know exactly what i wanted to do but i knew that in the back of my mind i wanted to do something that had to do with film uh, so i worked at their tv station and uh drew comics for their uh, local um for their school newspaper and and then i moved to california and then by chance got a job working for francis ford coppola and that kind of really nice. started my film journey is this is something that I can do. This is something that's possible. So um, that that's kind of what led me into my journey as a film director and uh, creating Strike 5 films. That's really interesting. What was your kind of, um, I don't know, what was your, I know you say you watch a lot of just movies and shows and all that kind of stuff, but what was your main preference? What was the thing that you saw all the time you were like oh i know i i want to make this of my own um at some point um what what kind of was that show or what was that that movie that kind of struck it in your mind when you first saw it um it's probably two things uh one I, I my mom watched soap operas like you know religiously so you know i spent <laughs> a lot of time with my mom watching those so uh, that was one thing and then i i guess i watched a lot of like older films like um uh, I watched a lot of The Godfather, a lot of the uh, older like black and white films. Nice. Uh, we didn't have um, we didn't have like all of the cable channels growing up, but we did have access to public access TV that always showed a lot of older films. So I got a chance to watch a lot of films from like the uh, 30s, 40s, 50s, and, and so forth and so on. And that's that's really where I, I kind of caught the film bug and just uh, learning how films are deconstructed and, and et cetera. Yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. That's kind of how I've even ended up kind of doing what I'm doing now, you know, with this podcast, like consume so much of the content. Um, it kind of got to the point where I was like, why aren't I doing this myself? If I love to hear it so much and watch it so much, you know, maybe I should try and, you know, see what I can do on my own. Um, it's kind of crazy once you get that kind of like bug in your head. But I saw that you actually went to school for this. Um, can you take me through that? Because I've always seen like film production as more of an artistic thing. And I know there's different film schools and all that, but I can never understand, or I've never kind of researched what actually happens within a film school. Cause everyone that I know that does their own kind of, you know, independent filmmaking or whatever it might be, no one's really taught them. They've kind of all been able to figure out on their own, but I've never been able to meet someone who kind of went the more kind of, I guess, institutional route and actually has some form of like a, a formal education. In this. So what is that kind of process like? And you know, what is that? entail yeah so I, I actually didn't really go to a traditional film school like like a usc or anything like that i went to eastern illinois university and they had a what was called a radio tv and film 
concentration, and that was under the um, College of Communication. Nice. Uh, so I, I got um, accepted into the College of Communication, and that, that was kind of the concentration that, you know, was taught. But um, that said, they produced a, uh, a local TV news channel um, that covered, like, the local news and campus news. So you kind of got hands-on experience from like a news network setting where you can kind of be a cameraman. Uh, you can uh, get experience working the teleprompter, the, the VTR machine, and, uh, you know, kind of the, uh, I don't think they have this anymore, but they had like a Chiron machine uh, for like when people do the weather and, and they have like the backdrop uh, against the green screen. So so that's where I got a lot of experience. and. And while it was good experience, I it was you know I wanted more you know because mm-hmm. that's a very uh, there's not a lot of creativity in that you know it's kind of like exactly. an assembly line production you know you have these stories and if the time permits you can fit it in or or not uh, so um, I think that I I did learn some good technical things but uh, from a uh, from a traditional film school standpoint it, it wasn't that. Would you encourage anyone now who's trying to get into the to the film industry from production to maybe go into, you know, a school or do you kind of see it as more of a jump in, kind of figure it out on your own, maybe learn on the job type thing? Like what what is your approach to that? Because I know for like myself, um, I went to universe. I went to UNLV um, and started off there, you know, in their marketing program. Um, mm-hmm. But as I was there in it, I just felt it felt so boring to me i guess i was like this is not when i'm thinking of marketing and i've been doing it since i was like you know 14 15 years old is you know tagging on different meetings and stuff i see it more kind of like you said more of a creativity thing and just kind of getting out there trying stuff this isn't anything and especially you know at the age i am now with the internet and all this kind of stuff all this information is not hidden between you know books anymore you can literally just Google anything you need and the information's right there and you can just kind of like go along with it. Um, yeah, when I was in school, I kind of was in school, you know, doing the marketing program, noticing that this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. It was so kind of just boring, dragged on, ended up changing my major to political science, which is even worse kind of major to go into if you're looking for anything, you know, with some creativity in it. But like now kind of getting out of it, I'm like, oh, you know, I could have been doing all this stuff on my own and working in the actual marketing industry now. It's like I probably didn't need to go to school necessarily to get the information. You might need that on you know, your resume for credential wise type things. But I think in the actual sense of, you know, practicing that craft, um, I don't know, for me, it just I feel like you get more experience actually on the job versus, you know, trying to go to a school to get a degree in it. Um, so yeah, from a film production kind of like standpoint, what do you, what do you think? What's your kind of like opinion on that? I, I think you actually hit the, the, uh, the head on the nail because, uh, it depends on the person really, because there's, a uh, I can see where in certain film schools, like if you go to like a USC or a, um, UCLA, then you know, the contacts are going to be so great mm-hmm. that, you know, it would warrant going to that school. But on the flip side of it, um, if a person is highly motivated and they just learn just by themselves and they, they feel comfortable going online and, and figuring things out on the fly, then you can kind of make up all that stuff, you know, as you go along, uh, cause you, you're going to meet people on the film set. You're going to meet people, 
uh, at film festivals and, and just, you know, just serendipitously, you're going to meet people, you know, just, just out. So it just, I think it all depends on the person. If you're kind of like, you need someone, need something that's really structured. Um, and you just need to kind of meet people like in within a system, then I think universities make a lot of sense. But if you're just kind of like, you know, I can figure it out as I go along, then, you know, I don't think it, it's necessary. Have you seen more, which, which one of those have you seen more of interacting with the people you've kind of interacted with? Are you seeing people go that traditional route, you know, have some kind of USC film school background type thing, or most of these people kind of like how you're saying, just kind of out there getting into, getting into stuff, meeting people, making those connections and kind of going in that way. I feel, I, I just feel like the film industry works like that just from an outside looking in perspective. I feel like it's Mm -hmm. more just about who, you know, um, and then me also growing up like in LA, there's always someone that you can know that's connected with someone else that, you know, such a small world um, out there. So, you know, I kind of just feel like from the outside looking in, there's a lot more people just networking, making moves and doing it that way. Um, I mean, especially now we're trying to go to school. It's like super duper expensive and it's kind of not really cost effective, you know, at the end of the day when you look at it nowadays. So, yeah, which yeah. which ones can you have you seen kind of running more into? I, I've actually seen both. I, I met, uh, I remember probably a couple of years ago, I met this guy that he went to USC and he owed like $245,000 in just wow. like uh, student loans. And he got a job working for BuzzFeed. Mm. And, you know, it wasn't, I don't think that that was like his end goal, you know, it's just like, um, but he couldn't find anyone else to, you know, give him the, an opportunity. So now he's working at BuzzFeed, you know, while it is still in film, it's not necessarily what he wanted to do. And it's, and, you know, kind of he hit the glass ceiling. Um, and then, you know, for like myself, I'll use myself as an example. Uh, you know, I guess I went to school too, but, you know, not nearly anything like that and don't have n- not anywhere close to, to the student debt is that. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I'm kind of doing my own thing. I, I started my own company and, you know, have made, uh, nine short films uh that you know been in 90 film festivals so right you know i guess it just depends you know but depends on that person but yeah it really does come down to you know having that drive and meeting those people that can kind of you know kind of give you some help i don't know if that's 100 percent necessary but it helps wow yeah um i definitely want to get into your company and all the films you made all that um i'm super interested in it um I was kind of really excited seeing your whole profile just because I love to consume movies and all that kind of stuff too. I like to just watch it, analyze it um, the best I can without hearing a lot of other noise and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it's just cool to kind of meet someone who's actually creating some of this stuff. Um, I kind of wanted to get into more of your experience. Uh, so I, I had, uh, after college, I had uh, moved to California with a girlfriend. Uh, we moved to Napa Valley, and I didn't have a job at the time. Uh, so, you know, obviously you have to find a job. So I started applying just blindly, just, you know, at anything. And um, I swear I must have put in like 200 resumes. And yeah. the only one place called me, which was Francis Ford Coppola Winery. And uh, so I went there not knowing anything about wine. And uh, long story short, I got hired to work in their tasting room for um, their summer months. Uh, but after that I got, you know, hired to work for their creative marketing team. Nice. And, um, 
And that's kind of what uh, kind of got me on this journey of like, you know, editing videos and just kind of giving them some uh, some of my creative input here and there. And then, you know, slowly but surely, you know, I, I kind of got into the film world, just kind of working on post-productions for some of their projects. Wow. Um, what What's the kind of time frame on that from when you first get that job in the taste room to, you know, then you're editing stuff for the marketing team and kind of, you know, going in that direction? Oh, uh, that was probably about about a year and a half. Nice. I would say. So, so not too, it, too it was, long, but, you know, yeah. a good enough time where you have to kind of prove yourself a little bit, but you're not sitting there for five years waiting for, you know, an opportunity type thing. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm not that kind of guy, so I'm not going to just sit and wait for, you know, an opportunity. I'm going to try to, you know, go out in my own lane and, and do something for myself. So, um, yeah, I, I just kept doing that on the side, you know. And, and even after I left Coppola, um, I worked for a TV station, and they would always uh, say that you can – you can use the equipment for free on the weekends. So, oh, nice. you know, we would always take uh, equipment and we, you know, shoot films, you know, just, just, you know, trying to get better, you know, but not waiting is, is what really got me to this point. Nice. So you said we, what was that kind of, how did that, I guess, team of people come about? Were they just everyone who's in the marketing team or was it friends that you were meeting out there? How was that kind of, kind of going? Uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, when you're, when you're starting, no one's just like, I, I don't, I don't want to be in any of your movies, you know? So exactly. you, you become <laughs> your, your actor, your director, et cetera. And, um, after, you know, I would, I would do stuff on my own, post it on to my Facebook or my IG or whatever. And then, you know, people would, you know, you get a like here, you know, then you get a comment and then finally someone says, Hey, you know, I want to be in your project. And then it just kind of snowballs from there. So I was able to meet people just from kind of organically making content. And then, um, you know, after some time I realized, shit, I, I have a whole crew of people, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and this is, uh, you know, not just for my stuff, but, you know, I'd work on other people's projects and just, you know, uh, put yourself out there that way. So it's, it's all about networking and, uh, you know, not being afraid to, uh, you know, put yourself out there to say that you're, you're worthy of, of doing something. Yeah. It sounds like collaboration um, with other kind of like-minded people is, you know, the name of the game. Um, that's kind of what I've been seeing um, through this process, trying to get this show up and off the ground, um, just reaching out to people and saying, Hey, are you interested in just, you know, talking? Um, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have money to pay people or anything like that, but it's like, if you can just sit there and explain to someone, Hey, this is my project. I'm trying to work on it. Um, love for you to be a part of it if you're interested. Um, seems to just it seems how everything kind of is going now. It's, you know, everyone's very collaborative, um, very much uh, I don't know, looking to build stuff um, with people. Um, so you say you were doing all this in Napa, California. Uh, yeah, I, I was doing this in in Napa. I, I live in the Bay Area, so uh, right now I live. Uh, pretty close to san francisco now so nice, nice. Uh, but at the time i was living in napa nice well then yeah i mean let's get into your company on um, strike five films first of all like i was telling you before i think it's a great name great logo um i really liked it first time i saw it i was like that's pretty cool um yeah you want to kind of start off uh, start us off on the journey there of kind of you know how you started it um you know, I'm always interested in trying to hear how people came up with the name of their company. I think the name of whatever project you're working on 
um, is the kind of like thing that you have to start with in my head. If the name doesn't sound right, nothing else kind of sounds right to me. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, you can take it away from there. Yeah. So strike five is, uh, it's based off of a baseball analogy. Like in life, you have three strikes and you're out. And, um, any entrepreneur, uh, that only tries three times is not going to be successful. So, uh, strike five is based on the idea that you have to continue. You have to be willing to strike out many times over. And, um, you know, I guess five, just, I just like the way it sounded, but you know, the the concept is, is if you're going, if you're going to strike out, you're going to have to really, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to be willing to strike out five, six times, seven, uh, an unlimited amount of times before you actually nail it. So that's, that's kind of what that is. And, and I really, I guess with the five, I really like the tally marks, uh, that, you know, you have the four ticks and then the diagonal, uh, tally marks. So it just, it just made sense to me. Uh, so I went ahead and, uh, got a trademark. Nice. Yeah. I like that meaning behind it. Um, super well thought out has some kind of, you know, purpose behind it. Um, like I said before, that name is, is always just that super important thing, um, has to have some kind of personal connection to you. Um, I feel like that's what all the kind of biggest, you know, brands, companies, whatever it might be. Um, they all kind of have that thing in common. So you said, you know, got the name and everything. What year did you start this? When, when are, what's the, the taking off point? When are you like, okay, I'm finally, you know, I'm going to start this thing, you know, today, right now type thing. What's, what's that starting point for you? Uh, January 1st, 2011, uh, that was, uh, that was the year that I said, I'm going to start this. Um, and I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I, and you know, I'll be honest, I still don't know what I'm doing, you know, but, uh, I am willing to try to, uh, you know, by trial and error to try to, you know, move things forward. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to fail or to look stupid, uh, in that process. But, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much been kind of like my, my whole technique is just to to fail forward, I guess. So then what was that first step you took? You know, I know you gotta get that mentality of, yeah, I'm gonna do this and then kinda coming up with the name or whatever, but then what's that what's that first concrete step that you were able to take to kind of solidify like, hey, I'm I'm actually doing this now. I'm not talking about it, you know, anymore or anything like that. I'm actually taking that first step forward, laying some groundwork and, and getting things going. Uh, for me, it was getting over the anxiety of something that I'd created and posting it and mm-hmm. just being open to criticism or, you know, people saying, what what the hell is this? Um, and, you know, because, you know, you're, you're starting something that you don't really know a lot about, or at least I didn't know a lot about. And I, I took the, uh, I made the, the conscious decision that I'm going to post everything that I've ever made in real time so you know you can so hopefully there's a progression of when i first started to you know to the time when i ultimately hang it up but uh i wanted to do that because i want to have some type of uh inspiration to you know people are going to follow me that you say that this is possible because at one time i i didn't know what i was doing and uh you know i just want to make it seem more approachable Nice. So you kind of had um, sort of a sense of anxiety, I guess you could say, about like posting and stuff at first. Um, and you kind of just shocked there, beat yourself out of it and just kind of just 
kept posting. Yeah, I just said how let's, long, let's do how it. How long did it take for you to get kind of comfortable with it? Because I'm kind of the same way. I I'm, it's kind of ironic for me. Like I'm in digital marketing, been doing it for years. I can't stand social media necessarily in terms of me posting myself. Um, it's very very hard for me to do it just because like I I just don't do it. I'm a very like secretive person. I stay kind of to myself, um, completely out of my realm of like anything somewhat comfortable for me. Um, so yeah, it kind of seems like we're similar in that, but it seems like you found some kind of strategy just to push your way through it and keep it, keep it on going. Well, with the film stuff, I, I guess I do with the uh, personal stuff. I, I guess I'm a lot like you because, um, you know, I, I don't really have an Instagram for myself. Um, I do have like LinkedIn and YouTube and, and, and stuff that promotes the brand. I guess I do it. Um, I wouldn't, say that i do it well because you know i think there's other people that are probably like yourself you know you 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 know what you're doing you studied it you've done it for years uh i i know how to make films i know how to design and you know uh, some of the other stuff you know i i wouldn't say that i'm great at it but um yeah i i think you just have to grow thick skin and just be willing to uh, not everyone's gonna like it not everyone's gonna like you but it's just like yeah at the end of the day you know you you have a job and that's to uh, put yourself out there and your dreams out there. So Yeah. And I guess if you don't put yourself out there, you'll never know what happens all just because yeah. you didn't want to post a few times on social media. I mean, yeah, yeah I totally get it. Um, I think that's a good kind of way of thinking about it. Um, I'm going to kind of steal that from you. <laughs> like if it's for the brand, like just do it. Um, it makes a lot more sense in my head, I guess. It's just a logical thing. Um, What's your what's your your first project with Strike Five that you were able to kind of like get off the ground? What's that first film or first just recording, uh, whatever it <laughs> might have been? I I uh, I did a um, I did a black exploitation film called uh, Black Rogers, okay, uh, based off of a nineteen eighties show called Buck Rogers, and um, I was the main character. Um, I didn't I totally didn't know what I was doing, uh, but <laughs> You know, I, I had a $30 camera that I bought off of eBay and, uh, you know, I, I don't even think we wrote anything or wrote very little, but, you know, I, I had kind of like this very, uh, sophomore idea in my head as far as like what the story would be. And then I just found people that, you know, I knew from around the way a lot from the gym, uh, some people from work. Uh, I think my janitor at the college yes. was, uh, my cameraman. So it just, it started off really modestly, you know, as far as, um, starting and, you know, uh, you know, it's, we, we made it and it, it's, it looks terrible, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, it's, it's like, it's like whatever you have to start. And, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's the first thing that we did. That's kind of crazy. So you were able to get, you said like your janitor to be your cameraman. What's that conversation mm-hmm. like? Is it like a. Were you guys like kind of friends before or something like that? Like, how did that even kind of get started? Just a, that's just an interesting uh, kind of detail you put in there. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was, uh, I was teaching at, at Napa College at the time, and this janitor uh, would come in, and and he was, uh, he was kind of like, you know, I, I would tell him, you know, hey, we need to have this area cleaned up, and et cetera. And uh, you know, we just always had a a good rapport with each other. And so, you know, uh, one day he saw me, you know, editing some, some stuff on the computer and he's just like, what are you doing? And then, you know, that's, 
a conversation struck up and then, you know, I just, I just asked him, Hey, you know, uh, do you know anything about cameras? Which he didn't, but I was just like, can you, can you at least hold this steady? And he said, yeah, sure. So, you know, I had him come out and, you know, you know, we did the thing like, you know, we have some, I, I got some little Caesars pizza. I got some, nice. you know, some drinks. I can't pay you, but you know, yeah, just, get a little food out of it. Call yeah. It so, so that's, that's how it happens. You know, it's just, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know why he even said yes, because it's just like, I, I didn't know what I was doing, but nice. I, I think a lot of people, if you start to kind of go in a direction and then you, you kind of, it appears like you have an idea, you'd be surprised how many people will just follow you because, mm. uh, you know, I, I'm still doing that. And, you know, I'm, although I'm more experienced now, there's a lot of things I just don't know, but, uh, it appears that I know what I'm doing and people just kind of fall in line. Wow. That's uh yeah, that makes sense. So what through that, I guess you make that first film, how long did that kind of take you guys to make that, that first, that film? Uh, so we did that with, uh, with no money. Um, and I want to say that probably took about six or seven months to make it, you know, from, uh, from start to finish, uh, because, you know, like I was saying, a lot of it was unscripted. So, you know, I would kind of try to jigsaw, you know, a story together based off of the footage that we would get. Um, and then, you know, I was making all the props and, and all the costumes myself. So, um, yeah, so it was just, uh, about, about seven months. So you were what director, producer, main character, costume, you know, director, costume, make like you're yeah. basically stunt, everything stunt coordinator. Wow. Uh, yeah. Music writer, editor, just everything. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, so. that's crazy. So I'm guessing that's what kind of took most of the time is like kind of like how you said, you're just kind of on the fly, just going, learning stuff, doing all this. What after that was the, I don't know, I guess, did you, after you got done with that first project, how was it kind of like, you know, received by people around you? Was it something that you were super proud of because you did it first? Were you super proud of it because people were actually liking it? Like, what was that, that kind of, I guess, that threshold after you were done with it and feeling that way? You know, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people watched it and they said, oh, man, this sucks. And, you know, <laughs> uh, but a lot of the actors that were in it, um, they they seemed to like it, you know, because, you know, we, you know, we obviously didn't have any money or didn't know how to make special effects or a lot of that stuff. So we put a lot of emphasis on, you know, trying to, you know, do some comedy and just, you know, uh, make things entertaining. So the people that were involved with the project really liked it and just getting that small amount of validation said made me think, okay, well, I think I can do this again, but this time I'm going to be better because I learned all this stuff during the process of it. I'm going to put all that knowledge into the next project. And so where are you releasing these, these movie, this movie at? Is it just YouTube or, you know, where, where are you putting it at for people to come see? At, at first, I was just putting it on Facebook because I had a lot of like um, anxiety about posting it on YouTube. Uh, but over time, I just said, you know, uh, I'm just going to post it on YouTube as well. So uh, I, I posted it on YouTube. Now I'm posting. Uh, I Now I, I guess I don't post because 
um, YouTube is not really a viable model to, you know, like put your projects out there. Um, mm. I will put, I will put them into film festivals and depending on if we have licensing, uh, attached to the films, because sometimes it's a licensed music or, or certain things, uh, then I will post it to like a, um, uh, what's, what's the, uh, YouTube one that's more geared towards film. Um, is it Vimeo? I'll, I'll oh, post it to okay. Vimeo. Yeah. Nice. Uh, nice. So that's that's more geared towards filmmakers, but um, yeah, a, a lot of my earlier stuff I put it on YouTube. Some of my later stuff I put it on Vimeo. Nice, nice. So in kind of like a trying to draw some correlation from kind of back then your first project. Um, I'm going to ask you another kind of question later on, which you give me a little bit more. But how are you marketing that film? Are you just putting it out there? And just kind of, you know, you say you put it out there on Facebook first. Are you just putting it there and then seeing what kind of, you know, attention it brings? Or are you actively showing it to people? Um, kind of what, what's that process like? Are you just, you know, sending it out to family first to get their kind of reaction to it and seeing what that is? Or, you know, what's that process? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, I'm still trying to figure out marketing because, you know, again, I, I don't feel like I'm very good at it. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of my marketing, I guess, it, it comes from accolades from like if we uh enter it into a film festival and they accept it or if it wins then you know i have that accolade to kind of promote the project i guess the 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 tricky part is is that film is not housed on youtube so people uh oftentimes will see well it won this uh this film festival and now they instantly want to go see it but you know Mm -hmm. as a filmmaker you're trying to you're trying to draw interest, but at the same time, you need to monetize. So it's it's really tricky as a independent filmmaker to uh, get people interested in your project and then go to the film festival where it's being screened at. Uh, so that's something that I I would you know if you have any advice, I, I'm I'm here to learn. You know, I, oh, I feel like I, I want to do another game. Um, but yeah, it's uh. It's it's marketing is something that I don't feel like I've quite cracked yet, and uh, always looking for ways to get better as far as pushing out the brand. Nice. I mean, yeah, that's a. I would say for films, it is kind of a different, like you said, model than just putting up YouTube videos or whatever. There's a lot more, um, as you probably know, production kind of costs that go into to making some of this stuff. Um, that's another aspect of this. I kind of wanted to kind of get your take on what is that process like in finding, you know, funding for someone to come through and, you know, produce your, your project, or are you kind of just like putting it all together yourself, you know, investors, is that more of just a networking thing or finding the right people who are always kind of willing to, you know, go in and see a new project? Um, like what's, what's that process like? Cause I know before you can even get to, you know, the filming and the festivals and all those other kind of stuff, those kind of like things that those baselines of, okay, you know, I have this project in my head, but how do I physically actually produce it? And how much is it going to cost? Um, it's always something I, I kind of like try to analyze uh, whenever I'm just watching a movie, um, saying, like, okay, how much do I think they probably spent on that? Um, and, you know, how much did it make them back? I mean, that's kind of like the name of the game um, in, in terms of that industry. So yeah, what's what's that process like for you when you're like, you're trying to find how to make that next project go. 
Yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, I, I guess I can run through my, what I've done in my career. So uh, the very first projects I've ever done were all self-financed. Um, you know, I, you know, like I'd work at my job and, you know, stash away, you know, a little bit of money here. And, mm-hmm. and instead of buying, you know, like some Yeezys or, you know, some, some type of clothing, uh, you know, I would, you know, stash that money away with the purpose of, you know, I want to try to further my film career. And, and, you know, I would, I would make a project and, and that first film that, you know, we actually had a small budget on was, I think I spent like $2,000. Um, and then after doing probably about two or three $2,000 films, I said, I think we're ready to do a, a Kickstarter campaign. Okay. And I needed, I needed to raise, um, $20,000 in a month. And Kickstarter is it's, it's all or nothing. Either you get the whole twenty thousand dollars, or yeah. you get nothing. So mm-hmm. um, that was, you know, that was a really difficult thing. You know, we, uh, well, I uh, raised um, twenty three thousand dollars in a month. Wow! And that was like, you know, that was like, holy shit! I, I never want to do that again. That's <laughs> yeah. like, because a lot of people think that you just, you know, you uh, you put up the post and. And then all of a sudden, this money Just floods, floods in, in, and, in and, yeah. yeah, and and in some cases, in some small like anomaly cases, that happens. You know, it's just like it just catches fire, and then. But you know, for a filmmaker, you have to be contacting people and putting up posts and uh, following up with the people that like it because you know that's their knee jerk reaction is just to like something because they feel in their mind that that is supporting. Uh, but you have to go like, yo, I saw that you liked my post. How about $5? And then, yeah. you know, I, I lost friends over it. Oh, I bet. Uh, you know, people cussed me out over it and <laughs> it was just like, it was crazy. But, you know, I, I had to do it because it was just like, you know, you, 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 uh, you're under the gun to raise all this money. So, so that was, uh, that's another way. And that was something that, you know, I, I almost feel like every filmmaker should do it because, it really separates the filmmakers that say that they're a filmmaker and the ones that actually are. Uh, you you have to you, you really have to go out and raise some money. Um, and then after that film, I got um, a, a guy saw that film and he gave me ten thousand dollars to make a film with him acting in it. Nice. So that was kind of an interesting uh, situation because. You know, he was a up and coming actor um, and he wanted something to kind of highlight his his acting ability. Uh, so, you know, he he greenlit the project within, you know, with himself as a lead actor. And that was that was pretty interesting. Um, but again, you know, it's like um, you lose a little bit of control because, you know, you're not really the one that's you know behind it. And then. uh the last film that we made, um, I got, I qualified for a PPP loan okay. to make a film. Uh, so uh, I want to say that we got seventeen thousand dollars to make a film based off of a PPP loan. So uh, you know, I, I've kind of been lucky to finance films in in a multitude of different ways. Um, nowadays, I'm doing um, pitch festivals 
where you know you go in in front of uh, bona fide in, investors and then you let them know about your project, and then from there, if they're interested, um, then you will either get that contact, uh, which can lead to you know more opportunities, or you know you'll get an outright check. So uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind cool. of where I'm at now. So that's cool. I didn't even know that was a a thing. So it's kind of like a Shark Tank, if you would, for films. Yeah, so uh I did one. Uh it wasn't it wasn't exclusively for films. Uh I was um I went to one where I was just pitching my company Strike Five based off of the concept and you know um you know what market share I thought that we could get in the future. Um so I did that in Berkeley and uh I came in second place, although I didn't get a check, I, I did meet a film producer that has produced a couple of films, which led me to another filmmaker that uh, works at Bloom House. And so, you know, I've been able to get mentoring from him and, you know, just, just continuing down the road, you know. Wow. So what's, uh, what's that, I guess, the future for your company? I mean, well, I guess we didn't really even get into, you said you had that first project and, you, you know, you're working on it, $30 camera. And now you're at the point where, you know, you're meeting people, you have different, you know, contacts and somewhat, you know, producers who are willing to, you know, finance your up and coming projects or, you know, whatever else you might be working on. What's that future or that kind of next step that you see for your kind of company, I guess, in the upcoming year? You know, are you kind of like this year we want to make, you know, four movies instead of, you know, two a year or whatever it might be? Or is it? You know, I want to get into commercials now or, you know, what 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 is that kind of next step? Um, yeah, for you. I would love to make a feature feature length film. Um, I I got to be honest, I don't know where the money is going to come from. Um, I have written uh, three different scripts at all different price points um, because. You know, I've met a lot of filmmakers that, you know, they're they're really delusional where they they uh they never made anything before and their first project has to cost sixty million dollars. <laughs> and and no one's gonna give them, you know, that amount of money. Yeah. Uh so, you know, I wrote a film that would cost fifty thousand dollars, another one that's gonna cost hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and one that will cost uh one and a half million dollars. Uh so on the on the low end and but you know, that's what I would love to do is to make a feature film because uh, while short films are great, they're more like a they're like a credit card of sorts. You know, you go, you give your business card, your business card, rather a business card where, you know, you say this is what I'm able to do. This is where you can contact me at, etc. cetera. Uh, but a feature length film will allow you to uh, make film uh, revenue for, you know, you and the investor that believes in the project. So you said you have you wrote three different you know scripts at three different price points. Mm-hmm. What in that is making that a fifty thousand dollars script, a hundred thousand dollars script? Like, what is it? Is it the length of it? Is it you know how technical you might you know have? I guess need things on set or whatever it might be. I don't know the right terminology or whatever. But like, mm-hmm. what is it that's differentiating those those tiers of, of price there? Uh, so. It all comes down to really like um, location and and kind of the spectacle of, of the of the film project. So uh, the fifty the fifty k one, for example, it it happens at like one or two locations. 
There's no special effects. There's no explosions. There's no stunts. Uh, it's a it's a dialogue driven project, and uh, it can be done without a lot of location permits, um, and uh, you don't really necessarily uh, need uh, you know grade A talent, I, I guess. Um, so that's that's the, pr the first project. The second project has uh, a few stunts baked into it. Uh, it. it has a little more locations um and then you know it required to have a um not not an a-lister maybe not even a, a b-lister but someone that you know has a brand name um that's someone that you know wants to uh you know still be relevant but you know uh you know maybe has their their star has faded a little bit so that would be a great entry point for them and for us to you know uh, to collaborate and make a project and then the last one would is a is a action film that you know has some uh i wouldn't say too stunt heavy but you know has some good practical stunts and uh you know it's uh something that would require uh some uh steady cam uh and uh some more professionals to be on set so th those right. are my price points and uh I, I think that's achievable based off of what we've done and, and you know, the money that we've, we've raised in the past. Well, yeah, thanks for that uh, kind of like explanation of it. Um, yeah, that's uh, kind of interesting how you kind of plan that out. What Do you go into writing a script in that way of like, okay, let me write this and make sure I make everything around 50 grand type thing? Or do you just kind of like write it and then you know, on the artistic side of kind of like getting it out. And then do you go back and say, okay, this project that I just created is going to cost this amount or, you know, is it just like, what's that process like in your head, I guess, when you're creating um, your scripts? Yeah. So um, I, I'm a big, uh, I guess I, I love to study film and other filmmakers to see what they've done. That's been successful. Uh, so when I was doing like my 50 K project, um, I studied uh, Reservoir Dogs by Quentin Tarantino. Nice. And if you really look at that project, a lot of it happens in that, that one room, you know, and, uh, you know, there's a couple action scenes, but for the most part, it's just all contained in that small one room area. And mm -hmm. it's a very dialogue driven project. So I said, oh, that's that's great. And, you know, I think he did a great job with this. So if we can kind of recreate some of the things that he did, then, you know, we could possibly do it for maybe even cheaper uh, because, you know, I. I don't know anyone that's just going to write me a million dollar check, which, yeah. you know, was what he got to make that film. But, uh, $50,000, that seems to be, you know, although it's a lot of money, um, that's something that we could possibly do that would still, um, have a lot of quality because, um, uh, I have a lot of friends that, you know, own their equipment, so we wouldn't have to necessarily pay for their, uh, the film equipment. Nice. Well, that's that's very convenient, I would say. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then how are you and, you know, not to just focus on the finance part of this, you know, so much, but I just think it's, it's a very, inter yeah, it's a very like interesting aspect of, you know, filmmaking and even just content producing on its own. Um, I don't think people understand that part of it of, you know, shooting like how you said in your, you know, one of your scripts, there's action scenes and stuff in it. People don't understand, like, you know, if you do that action scene one time and it gets messed up, like you have to pay whatever that amount of money was 
again to shoot it and get it right. And make, like you said, maybe it might take two, three kind of, you know, takes mm-hmm. to get that actual shot that you want or whatever it might be. It just costs money every single time. And um, I think that's probably like you probably have gotten the backlash or the, the pushback from people when you're asking for financing for, you know, one of your first projects. It's because people don't see movies as like a financial, you know, I guess benefit they kind of see it as like a money suck or a money kind of like you know a drain um how do you like determine like a movie was you know a success on that financial side is it you know you're seeing this money just come back or is it like what is what is on that level of it saying like okay like say i gave you a hundred thousand dollars to you know make a movie what's that thing that you need to see or that thing that you can come back to you know that person gave eight hundred thousand dollars Say here, you gave me this hundred thousand, this first project. You know, this is what we made, and you know, I have another one that I want you to, you know, invest in as well. What's that thing that's that you are able to present to them? Is it, you know, a film festival award? Is it, I don't know, ticket sales of a certain aspect? Like, what what is that thing that you use to come back and say, hey, this is actually a success. Um, We should do this. Yeah. So um, that's a great question. Um, I up to this point, you know. I, I guess we've determined success as uh, we got into, you know, X amount of film festivals and, and we won this amount of times. Uh, that's been, that's been pretty much all my money or, you know, uh, uh, the actor that, you know, he uh, invested in the project. He wanted to raise his profile. So we were able to get into 17 film festivals. So for him, that was a win. You know, nice. that was a return on interest. Uh, for me, it's like, you know, it's a little bit different because um, I I want to get into as many film festivals as I can. Um, I want to get into top tier film festivals. Um, so I guess how I look at return on interest when I'm investing into my projects, it's different from how an investor would. Um, for example, my last film, um, you know, we did that from a PPP loan. And because the government was, you know, just giving this money away, um, our goal was to let's see how much press we can get with this project. You know, the film festivals, you know, that's great. I think we ended up getting into maybe 14 or 15, which is great. I think we won two film festivals, uh, but we wanted to get some top tier press and we ended up getting onto the top radio station in the Bay Area. And then we also had, we also um, were able to nab uh, Adrian Marcel, who got nominated for a Grammy into the project. Nice. So that was like, okay, well, great. You know, we're kind of moving things in the right direction. Um, so, you know, that was cool. Uh, but if I were an investor and I gave myself $100,000, you know, like from the outside, then I would want to be, I want to at least try to double my money. Uh, from an investor because at that point you know film festivals are great accolades are great but you know you're really in it to make some money you mm-hmm. know, or to you know um, further your chances to you know get aligned with the Hollywood uh, lifestyle because I, I feel like a lot of a lot of investors they want that Hollywood life you know mm-hmm. for whatever reason Mm-hmm. And uh, they want to go to these award shows and and meet all these people for whatever reason. And uh, so you know, I guess everyone's motivation is different. But I guess you know, I look at it as we're in the business of trying to make money. 
Nice. I mean, yeah. So are you seeing that, like, I don't know necessarily. So if you enter into a film festival and you win, do you get a certain amount of money, like, back? And is that what is paying everything back if, you, if you're winning a certain amount of times? Or are you just doing, like, private screenings sometimes? And is like, what's that actual monetization kind of, like, method, I guess? So for the larger ones, you, you do get a cash prize. Uh, I have yet to get into a, a very major film festival yet. I've gotten really close, uh, but haven't gotten there yet. I keep hitting that glass ceiling. And, you know, I think with the next project, we'll, we'll probably, you know, break through. Uh, but um, at least for the ones that I've gotten to gotten into, I'll get invited to a film festival. They'll give you that VIP experience where, you know, you you get to have some type of, you know, they'll feed you, you know, they'll put, bring you on stage, they'll have you talk. And, you know, while that's all great, you know, this, you know, you still want the, the money, you know, that's, yeah, that's yeah. you know, of course. Um, and, and it's not really all about the money, but it's just like, you know, that's, that's kind of the means for the end for the, the film industry. You, you just, you know, like it or not, uh, it, it is show business and business is twice as long as show so you know there that business component is is very important yeah i mean that's how you kind of keep everything going and you know continue your company on because without that i mean how big is your team of people i have what four people that you know work with me on pretty much every project uh and and i do that because um those are people that I really feel like I can go into the trenches with. I, I know that, you know, our, you know, our, our demeanors kind of match up and, you know, like, uh, through the thick and thin, you know, we're, we're going to have each other's backs. Uh, and then other people, uh, I kind of bring them on, uh, in an ad hoc kind of a way where, you know, they'll, they'll join me on the project. Um, and, uh, you know, as needed, but you know, that's, uh, I just have my four primary people that I work with on nice. a consistent basis. Yeah, nice solid team. That's uh, kind of everything they say. What teamwork makes the dream work, and it's yeah, very, that's very right. true. Yeah, that's what so. you need all the time. You literally can't do anything else without you know those people around you to take care of those other things yeah. that you need. Yeah, yeah, so and, like, and what, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say that they're the best at you know um, <laughs> what they do. Uh, working you know, hard, and that's all that matters. Matters. No shade on them at all, uh, but. I wouldn't say I'm the best, but mm-hmm. it's just like you you really just have to have people that you feel at ease with, you know, like uh uh my uh head of makeup, you know, she's she's always she brings that good energy to set, you know, sure. she washes my back, you know, so if there's some type of problem then you know she she lets me know about it. And that's that's invaluable to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Culture is uh everything, you know, no matter where you go. If you have, you know, bad people on your team, dysfunction, all the other stuff, you can forget about trying to get any kind of project done if everyone hates each other. It's just not going to Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I had a a producer on this last project that was just, you know, um, I I never wanted to believe clout chasing was real. You know, I just thought that stuff was real. (laughs) Internet, but it is, oh, my God, it's real. It, It is, you know, as soon as that press came out, she turned into a completely different person. Wow. <laughs> and it, like, I, I couldn't even believe it. And it was just like, uh, you know, talk about a headache and just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, someone trying to steal the project and torpedo the project just because, you know, their their ego 
was like, you know, not being filled. So it was just, uh, yeah, never again, you know, with that person. Wow. So then what's, uh, so I guess let's get into what, you know, either a recent or like a current project you guys are are working on that, you know, you might want to highlight, let people know about, kind of give some more information on. Um, Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, my $50,000 project, which I, I think is most realistic to be done, is called um, Counterfeit Cabernet, and it's, uh, it's, based on, uh, it's based on an idea where a wine vintner is a, uh, he's a uh, high, he's a gambling addict, and he gets, a, he gets in way over his head to a, uh, an under, underground gangster, and he has to pay off the debt. He doesn't know how to pay off the debt, so he makes counterfeit wine to sell to mm. you know napa valley patrons uh to you know make the money back so wow uh, I, I i thought that might be kind of interesting because you know uh when i went to napa valley a kid right out of chicago knew nothing about wine and you know uh i couldn't understand why people would pay you know four or five thousand dollars for a bottle of this stuff when you know it's just like it all tastes the same to me, but yeah. <laughs> so, you know, based on that concept, you know, I, I kind of crafted a story that I think you could probably film at one or two locations and, and it could kind of be kind of a cool story. And what was your kind of starting process with that? Were you just like, you know, like, I guess take me through that. Yeah. That, I guess that starting process of how, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to write this script, you know, like, what is that first? thing that i guess you do uh yeah that's (laughs) i don't know it's just like uh i guess for this one um i was you know we had just finished uh a really hard project uh uh, my last my last film and i knew that we needed to do something to push this thing forward so um i honestly i just sat down and i was like i'm going i'm not going to get up until i have at least five pages written Mm. and you know i started to think on you know my time in napa valley and like you know trying to you know figure out and navigate uh missing a home some of the characters that you know i missed growing up with and then some of the new people that i had met in napa how you know and how they were really into wine and you know how they would pay a crazy amount of money for you know a bottle of wine and, uh, you know, so, um, I, I think almost every film as a writer is about you in some regard, you know, you may take, you know, little pieces here and there. Uh, but yeah, I just, I had an outline for a, a story that I wanted to tell and it was just about, you know, uh, navigating the, the, the wine market and, and to make it interesting, I, I kind of implemented some of the unsavory people that i met in chicago (laughs) so i was just like what if this person came to napa and you know and that's kind of you how i started that's actually super cool it sounds like something i would definitely watch um sounds like something if i saw it you know popping up on netflix or something like that okay definitely gonna check that one out what's your kind of opinion on that on how like streaming overall and i guess this is just to, to movies and your industry in general um how that's kind of like impacted things is I, you know, I'm, I was born in, you know, 96, I'm 27 now. 
I kind of remember the time when I was younger of, you know, using VHS, VHS tapes and just watching, you know, movies that way. And I kind of remember the DVD phase and then, you know, Blu-ray and then Netflix came out and was sending them all the time. And then and suddenly you could just stream on a computer. Like I remember just mm-hmm. looking one day and just seeing on, you know, the Netflix thing while I was trying to pick another movie. It's like, watch this now. And it's kind of like transformed the way we kind of consume content. Um, it's probably changed your industry as well, too, is like how you probably see things getting monetized in the future and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. What's your kind of like opinion on that whole this whole kind of change? Uh, probably from when you said you used to watch, you know, black and white movies to to now. How how do you think everything's been kind of impacted? Yeah, I, I probably have a uh, I, I like to say I have a complicated uh, relationship with uh, streaming as far as like how I, I look at it. Um, one, uh, to start it, I think it, while technology is good, uh, it, it really has messed up the model as far as uh, how film producers uh, greenlight projects. Because, um, like, let's say, you know, you make like a film and it does okay in the United States. Um, this is pre-streaming. Um, they, they would know that after they had its theatrical run that they could sell those DVDs or those um, VHS tapes. And that was like another, you know, it was like Revenue a re-releasing stream. of that yeah. film. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now that they don't have that, you, you, you almost need to get all of it in one bunch, you know, if you have the theatrical release. Um, in regards to streaming, I guess my, my complaint with streaming is, is uh, if you turn on Netflix, um, you're 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 kind of like uh you're kind of you go into like this this whole world of content mm-hmm. and content is it could be anything it could be uh because youtube does they do video games they do like dating shows they do films they do bad films and they do really great films but it's all labeled as content mm-hmm. so it's like it's like um I feel like it's really, uh, for me, it's really cheapened the the art of cinema, you know, because there, I, I feel, I guess maybe I'm romantic about it um, because, you know, I watched all those black and white films and, you know, uh, I, I've been on set and I know how long it takes to, you know, to set up a great shot. And for someone just to say, uh, okay, we'll put it on our platform and now it's just content. And it's no different from the dating show. It's no different from this this terrible, you know, uh, you know, film that, you know, uh, is, is about nothing. So I, I guess when it comes to streaming, you know, I, I almost wish that some of it would just go away. Yeah. Uh, because there's just so much of it. A lot of it's not good. Yeah. And, and a lot of times when you watch streaming, anything that's streaming, you're not really invested into it. You know, you're, you'll, you'll, you're not invested because you know you can always go back and rewatch it if you're you know if you're on the phone or you could pause it and walk away, go do something and then come back and kind of just take it up again and do whatever versus I guess like you know back in the day when you, if you go or if you go to a movie theater like you have to sit there, you have to consume it, you have to watch it here, no one's pushing pause if you get to go to the bathroom, you might miss ten minutes of the you know most critical point yeah. of the whole entire movie. And that's what kind of makes it a little bit special. Yeah, I get what you're saying about that for sure. Um, there is no real connection unless you have to actively, you know, you have a show that really draws people in or, you know, a movie that really draws people in and makes them 
put their phone down and, you know, kind of make it a, a I don't know, a event to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you kind of see that as more of a, I guess, because I'm, I'm feeling you're going to have to adapt if you haven't already, but to that model, you know, kind of eventually you're going to have to, you might not like it all the way, but it's something that there's no real going backwards, I guess, from what I see. Um, you might have a different opinion on going backwards, but like I see more and more streaming is, is coming up. There's more companies that have more access to whatever. Like you said, they're always looking for more content, more things to, to buy. Um, how do you kind of see that just affecting how you have to structure your kind of company kind of going forward? Because you, you can't, like you said, you can't do it the, the old way of, you know, I can do it this and get the DVDs and the merchandise and all the other kind of stuff. Now it's kind of like you're saying, it's like you're just making some kind of deal with that streaming platform. And that's kind of basically it from what I see. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a really good question. And uh, I guess my answer is I, I don't know. Um, I've spent this last year doing a ton of research. I, I, I do a lot of research on um, the overall health of streaming networks. And I, I am finding across the board where uh, they are slowly dying. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know exactly what that means long term, uh, but, you know, we have seen uh, the death of at least a couple of streaming networks. I know CNN Plus came out and they were they were out of there in like a month. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm seeing where um, uh, Disney Plus is talking about they, they lose uh, they've been losing billions of dollars every year. Um, with the hopes that, you know, at some point that's going to level off. Uh, but, you know, I think Disney made a huge mistake with Disney Plus because their thought was, we're killing it at the box office. We're making mm-hmm. every film we release, we're making at least a billion dollars. So now let's get Disney Plus set up and that will kind of be like uh, our like uh, our triple A team for our films. And then once they, they graduate to the big leagues, then we'll make another billion dollars. But the, the, the films that they were producing and the shows they were producing were all crap. Mm-hmm. And, and people became disinterested. And then, you know, they're also competing with TikTok and uh, Instagram and just social media in general. Yeah. And so, you know, I think the approach of throwing a lot of stuff at the wall, hoping that it will stick is not going to work. But I do think that if you put out good projects, like we saw with Oppenheimer, Barbie, um, even to a lesser degree, Asteroid City by Wes Anderson, people will come in and support your projects. So Mm -hmm. I I do think that theaters is still a viable model, but, you know, we have to figure out new and original stories, IPs, you know, just, you know, Terminator Part 19 is not going to work <laughs> yeah. anymore. Yeah. What um, is your opinion all kind of on all that stuff? I, I guess we can get more into like the film. I guess I can kind of get your opinion on stuff like that of revamping old, you know, series or shows from 20, 30 years ago and trying to make it fit to whatever it is now. I mean, I think I've seen a few movies that do that where it's like, it's kind of cool and it kind of works. But a lot of movies that I see, it it doesn't feel enjoyable, I guess, when I watch them anymore. It doesn't have that same, I guess, that that same just feeling. Like for me, so one of my favorite movies is Bad Boys 2. 
I don't know why that movie, but you know, watching it when I was younger, thought it was just awesome. The action scenes in it, the music, the way, like the the comedy dynamic between you know Will Smith, Martin Lawrence is just great, funny movie all throughout. And I watched Bad Boys One. It didn't really do the same thing for me. I was like, hey, it's okay, but it just didn't have that same action to it as as I don't know. I think did Michael Bay do that? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one where they're uh, the Miami drug lord. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, Giant Tap Union. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, you know, watching that one and then seeing what they did with like you know the I think they called it you know Bad Boys for Life or Bad Boys Three, Bad Boys for Life or something like that. Like mm-hmm. when I was watching it, I'm like, it's not bad. It kind of has the the feeling of Bad Boys Two a little bit in terms of like the action. But, you know, and I like the way they play on the fact that everyone is older and everyone is retiring and everyone is kind of like on this other kind of track. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't horrible. But at the same time, it's like, it just feels like there's some things that you just need to leave where it is. And I guess like you're saying, like projects like that, they might draw people in initially. But I can't tell you the next time I'm probably going to watch that third Bad Boys movie on hbo or whatever it might be it's like mm-hmm. you kind of get drawn in for that one little event and then it kind of tapers off so yeah i guess like what's your opinion on the revamping of different brands or different you know series sitcoms whatever it might be and then trying to put them into this kind of category of 2023 almost 2024 they they need to they need to let it die you know that's, <laughs> that's the simple answer it's just like uh you know i don't know if you know this but they have a Bad Boys 4 coming out now. Yeah, well, that's that's the next part I was going to get to. Is like, okay, yeah. at the end, they show Will Smith, and they show the other guy who's supposed to be, like, Will Smith Part 2 or whatever, and like, his son. And it's like, this whole thing is like, okay, and now he's, like, this criminal who's going to be locked up and, you know, taken out and special agent kind of looking type thing. And when I saw it, I'm like, it kind of takes away from that, the Bad Boys 2, which I thought was just, like, the best thing ever and now is getting drawn into this very long kind of unnecessary series that i kind of see um i understand playing on the brands of the the actors that you have in there kind of doing what you have to do for that but yeah just i i'm kind of with you on that some things i think just need to die but then on the flip side um there's other series like fast and furious that have been going on for however long and i really thought this last fast and furious fast and furious 10 i think it was I don't know mm-hmm. if you watched it or whatever, but I thought that was going to be the end. Uh, I kept hearing, you know, rumors, oh, this is the last one, blah, blah, blah. But no, they have like three more, I think, geared up to come out in the next like four years, um, yeah. which it's I kind of see grab. that now. Yeah, it's a cash grab, but we all kind of know it's a cash grab. But at the same time, it's a storyline that you kind of keep watching because you just got to see what Dominic Toretto does next with his team. You know what I mean? So, yeah, what's your kind of opinion on? I guess not good, but successful, I guess, series that kind of kind of run that that long. Yeah, I, I, I have actually I have a theory. Maybe this is a hot take and I don't know if it's popular, but um, around I, I don't know when reality shows really started to take off. But reality shows kind of uh, became popular. And if you watch a reality show, really nothing is going on, you know. So mm-hmm. I think that conditioned people to lower their expectations of what they're watching. You know, now all of a sudden someone making, you know, some illegal liquor in, in the backwoods and we're like, uh, you know, <laughs> and so it's just like, who cares? 
But, you know, I think that with that dumbing down or conditioning of the audience, now we trans, we, you can uh, go over to films and now their expectations have been lowered to watch films that have, you know, we really sh- shouldn't even care about it. So that's why we will watch Fast and Furious if they do 30 of them, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like now it's Domino Toretta's son that, you know, yeah. it's just like, and it's just like, you know, because we've been conditioned to lower our expectations for the content that we do watch, even though I hate that term content. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, you know, better writing will cure this and uh, less. I think once people, these film studios start, um, when they start releasing less stuff. Yeah. And, uh, uh in exchange for more quality stuff, then I think that's when, you know, we'll have a resurgence of the film industry. But until then, I don't think, I don't think that the audience will really care to come out and see these film projects because it's yeah. just like, you know, people aren't dumb, you know, it's just like, you know, if, if you, if you want to have an audience then you have to respect that audience and you have to give them something that they could actually sink their teeth into and, and, and care about. Um, there was a, there was a Godzilla film that was just released. It's called Godzilla minus one. Yeah. Yep. And I want to, I think that they made that for $15 million and it is outperforming like all these Marvel films that spent like $200 million. Mm hmm. And Marvel is just like, well, I don't, I don't get it. But uh, that film, they concentrated on what is the actual story. They actually wrote a story that audiences invested in, and they cared about the characters, etc. And now they're doing, now they're doing gang num- uh, buster numbers uh, on that project. So, yeah, I think it starts with writing. I think it starts with uh, letting all these old IPs die. Um, yeah. you know, they, they've had their run. You know, you can you can milk something a little bit, but, you know, come on yeah. after a while. Just let it let it go. And I was I was also uh, reading something where they were saying that there's no there's no movie stars anymore. Yeah, that's very true. Um, there's you know, whenever we think of a uh, like an actor, um, they always say Tom Cruise is the last real action star. And I guess you could probably say Will Smith before the slap, but, um, (laughs) yeah, you know, like if you think of like, uh, I don't know, Don Cheadle, you know, he's whatever character he is in, uh, Iron Patriot, I think. Yeah. Iron Patriot or whatever, or, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth is Thor, you know, these are, these are all brand name actors, but you know, the first person that you think of is that character not that yeah. actor yeah uh, so yeah so yeah we we need we need more denzels we need more eddie murphy's we need more sylvester stallone's we need more alan schwarzenegger's uh angelina jolie's these these are all bankable stars and i don't think that we have that anymore is that something you're conscious of as you're kind of moving forward and kind of creating your own films of having um like you said not just people who are recognizable with that character, you know, like you said, when I think of Iron Man, I think of Robert Downey Jr. Like, that's just it. There's no other kind of correlation with it. But when I think of Denzel Washington, like you said, again, I think Training Day, I think, you know, um, what's his other 
action movie that he just came out with. Um, Equalizer. Equalizer. Yeah. Like yeah. But that's a whole like series too. But you know, it's Denzel Washington in the Equalizer one, two, and three. So I'll go ahead and, you know, just watch it because um, yeah. is that something you're just like conscious of as you're, as you're going through and you're, you're creating your stuff of, I want to make this center around, you know, a, a person or do you have a certain like actor profile in mind as you're writing it? It's like, okay, this is going to be a perfect Denzel-esque type actor to come in here and play this role and let me write this around that. Is, is that kind of how you think about it? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is controversial, but you know, I'm literally looking for someone that, uh, is like you and I, to a certain degree where they don't really invest all of their worth into social media Mm -hmm. and, and opinions of the day. Uh, because that's where, you know, uh, if like, let's say this is the pool of audiences that you can uh, get to go out and see your movie. The second that you take a middle stance, then you lose half of that audience and, you know, half the audience doesn't care. So I, I'm really looking for someone that wants to collaborate that, you know, they, they don't really want to get invested in all the mess of, you know, what's happening, uh, of, of the trends of the, of, of the, of the current moment. And let's just, you know, make the best possible art that we can and, and let the cards lay where they are. So. Um, that's kind of what I would look after. And, and I just saw where Denzel Washington was saying that the reason why he's had a 40 year career with no scandals is because, you know, he can have an opinion, uh, but you know, he chooses to just, you know, uh, he doesn't have to be the, uh, the verbal vocal point for that opinion, uh, for everything. And, Mm -hmm. and, I, I I wish we as a society we can kind of get back to that, but I I don't know if you can really put the cat back in the bag, you know. So it's yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's very true. Um, kind of going back to kind of like how you say like as a society we're kind of moving in a different way. Um, and kind of those last, um, I guess we just said they're not necessarily movie stars, but they're iconic. Um, I kind of wanted to get your take of going back to Disney again. Um, you're saying they were losing all this money, creating all these different Marvel shows. Um, from your standpoint, you're probably looking at it and, you know, saying, you know, you don't need to make this show. You could have, you know, doubled the budget on this other one or whatever it might be when you're watching, um, kind of what they've done and what they've unfolded with. And I'm a big Marvel fan. I love the way they're able to start with, you know, Iron Man back in like 2006 or however long it was, and then run it all the way through to like all the Avengers and getting to, Wakanda with the Black Panther and all the other kind of stuff, making all these movies kind of simultaneously work together over a span of, I think, like 10, 15 years or whatever it might be. And then they were able to end it with, you know, the ending of The Last Avengers. Um, And they've kind of filtered off into all these kind of smaller shows, kind of like how you said before, the, you know, the AAA kind of league here with, you know, the She-Hawks and whatever it might be. and they're not really seeing that return. I think the last movie that came out from Marvel was Captain Marvel. And it was like the worst opening day that they've ever possibly had. Um, yeah, that that model and that format, I don't know if you have any more information or any more insight on just a better way for, I guess, anyone in the future who might be watching this and trying to, you know, craft a, I guess, a universe in their head 
like just a better strategy of going about putting I don't want to use the word content, but content out in a certain way like that, of having it being very cohesive, keeping storylines together, storylines that people actually believe um, that get invested in. And then kind of, you know, going back to the marketing sense of it, you kind of do have to build in those iconic faces in there now uh, to mm-hmm. keep people interested in it. Um, yeah, you got any kind of more advice, opinions or anything on that? I think you have a very interesting take on it um, since you're kind of like, you can see both sides of it. You can see the side of, okay, you know, that's cool from an artistic perspective, you know, that, you know, the special effects might look cool, blah, blah, blah. But on the money side, even the industry-wide side, you can probably see the the long-term damage that it's actually doing for that kind of short-term game. And you, you know, as an up-and-coming, you know, company trying to get to these levels where you're having these, you know, larger budgets like that, um, I'm pretty sure when you're having these future conversations with um, people who are going to be, you know, helping you and financing these different things, they're going to want to see why, you know, they're going to figure out what, where are we going to put this thing? If we make this movie for $100,000 or whatever like that, how are we going to put it on Netflix if Netflix is dying? Like, what is that mindset or that kind of like, you know, that not backup plan, but where do you see the future of like really putting movies out and putting, again, don't want to use the word content, but putting content out again where people can, you know, access it and it'd be a viable thing for everyone. Because right now it seems like, there is this a large hole in the movie industry as a whole. And um, yeah, it's like getting a lot of life sucked out of it because it's just getting very, very costly to do things. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think that, you know, um, Disney is, uh, and I guess Netflix too, has, has kind of like this fast food approach where, you know, we, we have to we have to put out something and, you know, it has to come out fast. And then once it's out, and you can you can eat all of it. You can consume mm-hmm. all of it all at once, you know. And I, I think anyone that has gone to fast food, uh, you know, it serves its purpose, but it's not something that you really inherently value. Uh, so, you know, I think people, as, well, as long as we're on this food analogy, um, I think that they would rather wait to have that meal that is prepared with delicious fresh ingredients and they don't mind waiting for that to come out because they know once it gets to their you know their their table it's going to be delicious and the same happens with film you know it's like uh anything that is uh speedily prepared uh rushed out and then you're able to consume it all in one setting i don't think that you're really going to enjoy it so i think if they, if, you know, if I were kind of the, you know, chief of, uh, you know, content delivery, uh, I would tell them to definitely slow down the amount of content that they're putting out and to really take time to think things out as far as in the writing room, as far as how do these stories mesh together and does it, uh, cohesively make sense. Um, I was a, uh, I was a Marvel fan until I started to see that the the projects that they were putting together, um, they started to say, well, the multiverse is our mm-hmm. plot device that you know draws all these together. So suddenly, continuity doesn't matter. Um, you know, character development doesn't matter. Because anything is possible now. Anyone anything can come back possible. from life. Can, anything can do whatever. I'm kind of yeah. with you on that same thing. It's like as soon as that kind of happened i think it was um in avengers i think it was Endgame, or no maybe infinity i can't remember but when gamora uh i believe by 
played by Zoe Saldana, like she dies, but then they're able to like go in the past, bring her to the future, and then now she's suddenly back with the Guardians of the Galaxy again. It's yeah. like you lose that whole, you know, thing of you were preparing this very nice package, everything made sense type thing. Um, in the beginning of the Avengers, to you know, to me at least, and that's what I loved about it so much. I loved seeing how even now what they when they did with the Eternals, when they were able to like, I think in the beginning they they ask a question like why the Eternals never helped fight Thanos, and like they have a very specific line of, you know, we were told never to in, be involved in humans' kind of like issues or interactions because if we do that, they can never grow on their own. Those mm. little things right there, I think, are what make the movie at least in my mind, make it make sense and then just make everything cohesively sit together. And that flow of it is just, I think it's amazing from just an artistic kind of standpoint of being able just to write these large films, these very historic, you know, comic book level, um, you know, projects together and have them all link up. And then just to kind of see it now filter off to what it's kind of become, I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see how they'll be able to recreate that process again but maybe like you yeah. said maybe you don't need to recreate that process again maybe there are certain things that you need to let die and you know just move on from it i don't i don't know what your yeah. opinion is on that but that's kind of how i see it yeah that's see that's the problem with disney because they're this there's this they're this huge organization this company that needs to you know always be making money so i think that they they said well you know we have to look at this from a business standpoint where you know we have to this is a this is a great character you know people are invested in this ip so we have to bring that person back but meanwhile if you invested your emotions into this character and then you come to terms with that person dying um and then they bring them back then why 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 get invested in that character in the first place if you just know that they're going to come back anyway mm-hmm. so you know that so if you look at it like that then if that's the case, then why be vested in anything that they make? You know, yeah. so why be attached to anything? It's, now it's just, you know, it's just a uh, white noise in the background. And I, I think that they really did themselves a disservice by looking at profits over the actual story and craft of filmmaking. Um, and you know, in in one way, I guess I get it because you know, it's Disney's a huge, you know, machine, uh, machine that you know just has to keep pumping this stuff out, but you know there's there's other ways to uh you know find uh interesting ways to tell the story and uh i just i just think that disney went the uh you know we, we need to make money route and mm-hmm. and and we're we're now seeing where that's imploding well i think from you know a marketing aspect or a marketing standpoint i think you um and your company if you guys are really taking that stance of no, we're here to make quality work. Yes, it can make you money. Yes, there can be a profitability to it. But the work itself is what we're really going to stand on, you know, developing characters and plots that people can, you know, like you said, believe, um, get invested in and want to see more of for sure. Um, I think that can take you a long way. I mean, there's shows um, and different movies that, you know, I love to see and love to see when they get, you know, new seasons or whatever coming out. Um, even back to the to the way they release the content, like you were saying, <clears throat> on Apple they have all these shows, and from what I've been seeing, they just release them like once a week, and it's a very it makes it a lot more special to watch it because you know you can't just sit there 
and binge through, you know, 12 episodes in a day. And if you want to do that, that's fine. You'll have to wait 12 weeks to actually see all the content at one, at one yeah. time, um, which I just think is a better kind of like model, a more sustainable model uh, might be the answer to how, you know, this industry kind of sustains itself, you know, over the next couple of years. I, I really have no clue. Um, do you have anything about that of them, you know, releasing it? you know, once a week versus all at one time. Um, I know you kind of had that food analogy before, but I think from a business standpoint, just to having that, you know, dropping it once every Friday. Um, I saw somewhere that like if Netflix did that, they wouldn't be in the hole that they're in because they're having to continuously, like you were saying, create content, put it out. It all gets released all at one time. People watch it in two days. They're over it. Now they're on to the next thing versus yeah. if they put it, you know, these episodes out week by week, you know, now you have 12 episodes. Now you don't need to make a whole season's worth of content immediately. You can do it and, you know, string it out, have it take a lot longer, get those people invested, having to come back. It takes a lot of time to come back and remember to watch a TV show, you know, every single week. Kind of like how we used to, yeah. you know, watching cable stuff like that. It's somewhat of a similar model of, you know, if this show is coming on on Thursdays, you know, you got to get there on Thursday, actually watch it type thing. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with that. Um, but, you know, I think that if you're really invested in something, then, you know, you, you, you'll want to come back. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm older than you. So uh, there was a series that I used to watch called The Wire. And oh, yes, I, don't know I know that very well. My dad yeah. is a huge fan of it. Huge fan. So, so that was you, you come in uh, by each week and you, you'd watch it. And, you know, it was heavily invested in the characters. And it's just like... Uh, but, you know, if I would have watched that in one setting, then I don't think that I would have been able to process, you know, the gravity of mm-hmm. of that show and just, you know, how all the characters were developing. So, you know, I, I do think that, uh, you know, when Netflix allowed, you know, you know, it's you can have it all and you can binge all at the same time. That, that was great, you know, at, at one time. And, and maybe they can do it for some shows and maybe they should kind of string other shows out. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think that you have to allow the audience to watch something, allow them to uh, breathe on that and to process it on what they watched and to think about it. And, and, and doing that, I think that will condition them to come back uh, again and again and again. And, and that's ultimately what you want because otherwise, you know, they're just trying to, what you were saying to try to fill this this massive insatiable hole of creating more content and it's just like you know they, they spend so much money when they could have just kind of just kind of string it out over time and you know and they can make really great content instead of just trying to rush to make you know something that's average yeah i completely agree but yeah jason so you know before i get you out of here i just want to ask you like one more question of just something kind of like of a relevant kind of current event that's going on. Uh, we talked a lot about just different IPs, you know, leaving stuff to die, bringing stuff back, you know, kind of like a weird way. Um, just saw that the color purple just came out very historic movie. Um, a lot of huge names in there. Um, just came out. I, I saw it. It had really good success. Um, what's your kind of opinion on that? Cause when I first saw it, I was like, Making the color purple, you know, it's a classic. You kind of just leave it alone type thing. But it's seen, you know, it's it's had a kind of a positive uh, reaction from everyone. 
And, you know, like I just said, had, you know, a lot of success. I forgot how much money they actually made at the box offices, you know, this weekend. But, um, yeah, what's, what's kind of your opinion on that, on such a historic kind of classic movie, but it's still been redone, revamped into this way of, you know, not forgetting the original, but at the same time, it's it's something new that people, you know, maybe around my age don't, they, this is their first kind of maybe introduction into the color purple. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. anyone younger than me. Um, yeah. What, what, what do you think about, you know, something like that is actually such a classic kind of. Yeah. So when I, when I first learned that they were remaking that, I was just like, Oh no, you know, <laughs> here we go again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, um, I paid more attention to it. And um, I, I remembered that uh, color purple started off as a book and then it was made into a film. And then it, was, it became a uh, Broadway play, and now they're they're uh, making uh, the the next film. And the, as I, I haven't seen it yet, I'm, I'm I'm planning on seeing it, but I have read the reviews. And from what I understand, the most recent film is um, heavily influenced by the Broadway play, so uh, it's it's different from the original. And to me, that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. uh, because you're you're uh, you're playing homage to the uh, the book, the first film, Broadway play, in this in this new uh, uh, project that they've done. So um, in that in that regards, I think it makes a lot of sense because you know a, a newer audience gets to uh, see this important story, uh, a, a great black story uh, that you know is not about you know slanging drugs and you know all the you know tropes that we've seen a million times and and don't want to be represented by so mm-hmm. uh i i'm fully for that and and uh and i'm 100 percent rooting for it to do well because you know we we need more stories uh as as a black culture that you know uh uh exhibit us like that uh so you know i'm i'm 100 for it and and happy that it's going well is that something else? I guess I didn't even ask that kind of question or that aspect. As uh, you know, a black person, when you're creating certain films or you're creating or you know you're in certain rooms, are you seeing that as like an obstacle really anymore, or is it is is? I guess I'm trying to say like, what is your kind of experience? You know, you know, if any, um, on kind of like the color of your skin in the rooms that you have to operate with and the people you have to talk to and the way you have to get certain things done. Do you feel like it's a, you know, hindrance in any kind of way, or is it not really a a thing like that anymore? I I don't know if I've experienced it directly, maybe, maybe indirectly. I I, I don't know. Um, uh, You know, I dealt with racism growing up and, you know, I, uh, but, you know, I always believed that, um, it's the content of your character more than your skin. So, you know, uh, you know, that led me to get into college and go into grad school and, you know, uh, do what I do today. So, uh, I, I don't really buy into, you know, that my color of my skin is holding me back. Um, but, you know, I guess that said, I, I don't know about the opportunities that I did not get based mm-hmm. on the color of my skin. Um, but, you know, I, I do believe that uh, as long as you put your best foot forward, then, you know, that's going to create the opportunity ultimately. Uh, but, you know, I, as a black uh, creative, I do want to see films that are more uplifting uh, than ones that kind of adhere to the, the tropes of, 
you know, we're just we're just trying to get out of the hood and yeah. you know, you know, stuff like that because it's just like uh, we can't expect ourselves as a race of people to be seen differently if we're putting out the same type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, for people to consume. Yeah, completely agree with you on that. Well, yeah, Jason, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, talked about a lot on here, kind of like your journey, how everything started. Got into a little bit of, you know, film critiques, I guess, like that. But, you know, we're able to relate it a little bit back into the industry. Um, yeah, if you, you want to let everyone know, kind of like how to get in contact with you, where they should be looking out for your movies at, any kind of way to support you, any kind of way. Uh, yeah, feel free to, to, to drop all those names and everything right now. Uh, yeah, so uh, once again, thank you so much for having me on. And uh, if you want to uh, learn more about me, you can either uh, Google me, my name, Jason Johnson, it's, uh, J-A-Y-S-O-N Johnson, um, or you can look up uh, Strike By Films alternatively, and you should be able to find me with a Google search. Uh, also, I, I want to uh, plug uh, a shameless plug here. Nice. I just released a, a new batch of, of hats here. Uh, so uh, we have them on the on the website. This is season three of our uh, merchandise that we've created. Uh, so, you know, I have all that for sale on on the website. So um, listeners, if you could come out and support the brand and uh, black owned businesses, that would be fantastic. Uh, but otherwise, you know, uh, look out for me. Uh, I think we have some great things planned for uh, 2024 and beyond. All right. Well, sounds perfect. Uh, yeah. Everyone go out, support Jason, go support uh, Strike Five. Uh, great kind of concept company, everything from you know what you told me. I think it's uh, going to be kind of an exciting year for you guys next year. But uh, yeah, thanks for being on again. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you.